0: The kid can't help it. He's so damn excited about Star Wars coming at it. Every time he reads something, he walks in my office. He's
1: like, Dad!
2: Nice. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with the salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of over $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Adventures in Angular link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hire to get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash Adventures in Angular. Ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to our classes in St. Louis or San Francisco, AngularBootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is a provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code AngularAdventures, you'll get a $10 credit. This episode is sponsored by Telerik, the makers of Kendo UI. Kendo UI integrates seamlessly with both AngularJS 1.x and 2.0. It provides everything you need to integrate with AngularJS out-of-the-box, bindings, component configuration, directives, template directives, form validation, event handlers, and much more. And yet, Kendo UI tooling does not depend on AngularJS, so if you want to use it with Angular or not, that's totally up to you. You can check it out at kendo-ui.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 72 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey there! John Papa. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.TV, and this week we're going to be talking about Angular 2 directives and components. Before we get too far into this, I'm kind of wondering if you've done much with Angular 1. You get far enough down the trail, you kind of wind up right in directives. But I don't believe that components are part of the vernacular, really, with Angular 1. So can we kind of get a definition on how things have changed from Angular 1 to Angular 2 and what we're talking about when we're talking about components versus directives?
0: Yeah, I think you know we have different backgrounds on different technologies we've used and patterns and frameworks. But in Angular 1, we had these things called controllers, and that was our JavaScript. And they had something associated with them, which was HTML or the template. So that was the view. The template, the HTML was the view, and then the controller was our JavaScript. In Angular 2, we had this thing called a component, which it's not exactly one-to-one like this. But a uh, way you can think of it, or I like to think of it, is the component contains the JavaScript again. So it's kind of like the controller logic you used to put in a controller, you now put that into a component. But the component also has a template that is directly linked to it. So a component is something that has JavaScript that will help you talk about a UI piece. And it also has its HTML its template, and it also may have its own styles. So a component is something that is, uh, in in a quick nutshell, is something that's reusable that you could basically plop somewhere on your page, uh, almost like a super-powered directive from Angular 1.
1: (laughs) Super-powered.
0: Yeah, you notice I put the super-powered there because that's like the super-heroic framework from Angular 1. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if there was an intentional coupling of those or not, but I know like in Angular 1, like you'd say, here's my router, and my route says when you go to this URL, you go this component with this HTML, and that kind of married the two together. But in Angular 2, uh, what we say is, okay, my component and my HTML are a little more coupled together, meaning this particular component is always going to have this particular HTML template, uh, and that's kind of how it works. Uh, although I have heard rumblings of, hey, what if we wanted to support multiple templates for it? But at this point, all I know of is it supports one.
1: Right. And that's an interesting point. Side note that, uh, Aurelia does, uh, supports multiple, right? I believe so, yes. And that was, almost, I think that was a contention point between Rob when he was on the Angular team with how that worked. But I think that was, it was a little bit different, right? Because in Aurelia, the templates point at the
2: component.
1: In Angular 2, the components point at the template.
2: So what, I, I, I still don't completely understand. Why is that significant?
1: I don't know. I guess when you're a framework guy, it makes a huge deal. I mean, he ex- actually—I <laughs> wrote a—I wrote a demo a long time ago, and Rob got on and rewrote it uh, in Angular. I wrote an Angular 2 demo. He got on and wrote it in Aurelia. It was a little tiny thing, so it really wasn't that uh, interesting. But he kind of explained the whole template pointing at the component and why that's better, and that allows the same component to be used with multiple templates. And that's one of those things. That I, I agree. I, I don't. I've been doing
0: what frameworks for how many years and the one thing that always seems to make certain people really get their panties in a twist is the whole, hey, should the view talk point to the t- uh, controller? Should the controller point to the view, should I be doing MVP, you know, model view presenter, should I use MVVM, MVC, MV, I don't really give a poop is what I do. <laughs> so other people can get upset one way or the other if they like, but I just don't think it matters in the long run. You deal with the pattern that's dealt you and none of them are bad. They're all good. So who cares? Yeah, (laughs) I
2: I think the MV star, the star, I mean, it's really only helpful for categorizing how you connect your data to your template. Yeah. And and so if I'm talking to somebody and I'm saying, I'm using a framework that's MVVM, then they get the idea that the thing in the middle is a view model or an MVP is presenter. But when it comes right down to it, it doesn't really matter what Angular 2 is if you're going to use it because, yeah, you just... You just use it the way that it's designed to be used, or right. break the rules deliberately where you need to.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And just to be clear, we're talking about Rob Eisenberg, right, from Aurelia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rob's a great guy, friend of all of us, and the one thing he's great at, right, is making awesome frameworks. And I think Aurelia's got some great things in there, uh, and how they how they connect. There's definitely pros to saying, "Hey, look, the template should know about the controller," and there's pros to knowing saying, "Hey, the controller should know about the template." Um, both sides have pros. Both sides have cons. But uh, I think to really get back to, you know, Charles point is what is a component? Everything's kind of moving towards this shift of we can create an element in HTML, something that we can just go into HTML view and say, hey, look, here is our calendar thing. Here's our Lord of the Rings list, or whatever these things are. And that's our element. And that element is self-contained, and it contains all the things it needs to make something appear and be functional on the screen. Uh, And that's the idea of, you know, web components, and that's kind of where components are kind of modeled after for
1: uh, Angular 2. So I want to ask you something, John, and and Chuck, if you want to chime in as well. The whole single component, multiple templates type of thing, Right. Have you ever actually used that in a production application where you've been, I've got a single component and I do want multiple templates, whether that's an Angular 1 or any other framework? Sorry. So the question is, do I ever want a component to have multiple templates on it? Yeah, to be able to choose from
0: multiple templates. I have had that situation happen to me twice in my career. Well, it's two times more than me. It's, it's very, very rare. And one of the times was literally a demo. The other one was a production app. But in the production app, I actually tried to talk them out of it. <laughs> but I lost.
2: <laughs> yeah. So so the way I, I kind of see this is if you have different presentation for a component that may have different state to it, but then I may mi- still be misunderstanding what the component actually provides you. I've been like authenticated or something. And so I want to show people a lot more information or things like that and a lot of times you can push that up to higher uh levels of abstraction so that it's actually in your authorization and not in your component but uh yeah i i can kind of see where people would think oh i'd really like to be able to sh- conditionally show different information but i don't completely i don't completely see where you necessarily would either not be able to put that into the template you know show this if this show this if that don't show this yeah. if this you can
0: still use one template exactly. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. or the the other side of things is, yeah, you know, you have that authentication piece, and so it does the check, and then it just gives you the standard. You can't see this because you're not an admin.
0: Right. Let's let's put it this way. I mean, and Joe's had it happen zero times. I've had it happen two. I mean, I've written thousands of these kind of things, and that's it's two out of all those. To be very blunt, this is a scenario. I'm not going to say nobody has the scenario. I believe there is a scenario for it, but. It's one of those where if you didn't have the ability to do that, you weren't going to go home and cry about it.
2: Right. There's a reasonable right. workaround for it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's
0: not a problem
1: I have in my life. Right. Yeah. So, and it's much better if you're just showing various different things, multiple states to just build it into the template.
0: And if they are so completely different, like I had this question come up where a friend of mine was building an app that had to work on a mobile device in Ionic and also in an Angular app for a desktop and the UIs were were really different but they wanted to share the controllers and the views. And then they got they backed off they're like well now I just want you know the same controller for two different templates. And I said well what are you showing in the UI? Eventually they backed off it, and the reason they backed off was the angular app on the desktop was so dramatically different. I mean yes, they both showed a list of things mm-hmm. but with a bunch of other paraphernalia. But the one on the phone, I mean, the list was so condensed. There were like two columns instead of, you know, 20, which is the desktop. And all the other fields were completely hidden on the phone. I'm like, at this point, you're so completely different and all the UI is different. Why are you even bothering? You know, the logic isn't even the same anymore. And that's when they just said, you know what, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Anything that was common, they moved over to a service or a factory and they moved along.
2: Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is, and this is something that I see working on Rails apps, even with, Without doing uh, client side rendering, one way or the other, is that a lot of people put in a controller in Rails, basically a conditional that sets up different sets of data for different states. And then it, they tell it to render different templates or views based mm-hmm. on that conditional, that same conditional. You, you look at it and it's like, no, this is two controller actions that do completely different things. They just happen to have, you know, similar function. And, it, you know, you you have that conditional that that changes some of it. And so, yeah, at that point, I mean, why create this big bloated component for your mobile view just because you want to be able to use it on your desktop view, too? Right. Right. And so because the concerns are different enough, yeah, split it up. Well, let me ask you guys a question.
0: So I'm looking at an Angular 2 component right now, and I was trying to think the other day, what are the... Not the essential things, but what are the most common things that I'm going to associate with an Angular 2 component. And I'm looking at the one that I've got here in front of me for the Angular 2 Tour of Heroes uh, demo, which people can check out on the the docs on Angular I.O. And in that first component, and I'm revising this right now, it's got a component called app component. And that app component is a class, and it's got a couple properties, and that's it. But the key pieces for me are the component always has some properties that expose some kind of data that will be data bound on the screen like a title, for example, or a first name. But then I also have, seem to always have the at component directive, uh, sorry, decorator, right above it. So I'm decorating metadata about this component, and I'm always telling it, where's my template? And I like to point my templates, You get because you have a choice of templates. You can either do embedded string right inside of your JavaScript file or TypeScript file, or you can point to an HTML file. Uh, sometimes I have styles, and you can do embedded styles, or you can point to your CSS file, and that's an array. And then I've got um, a route config sometimes. And this is kind of a new thing that's kind of crept in here, is routes are no longer centralized for your module, because the modules have a mean, have different meaning now, but we can define routes at a component level in Angular 2. So I'm finding that I often have in a component properties to data bind to, uh, a template to point to, sometimes styles, and then sometimes I have routes that I define there. And that's different.
1: What are you guys seeing? Basically everything that you see.
2: Yeah, I'm going to admit that I haven't done a whole lot with Angular 2, and so I don't know that I...
1: Well, I don't got about the benefit of having a component for me. Now I have to pull one up just so that I could talk intelligently.
2: Yeah, is yeah. there is there a link that we can put in the show notes for people? Yeah, to still look at oh, the Tour of Heroes, that's
1: absolutely a great link to look at. Okay. Can, can we get a link to that? in the find repo? link.
2: I will go get
0: you a link right now, and you can pop it up in there so people can see and follow along.
2: Yeah, and so I know some people are listening in the car, and so we'll try and be as explicit as we can.
0: No, well, they can pull up play- their phones and open no, it up. No, 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 Joe. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting sued by anybody today. <laughs> I Let me, uh I'm going to put it. This is my personal repo, but it's basically the same. And this is not the official angular one by any means but it's the same thing that i'm putting together for tour of heroes this is the exact file i'm looking at right now so if you want to click on that one and follow along it's angular 2 tour of heroes repo up in the john papa github that's all one word yep and it's at slash source slash app slash app.component.ts and uh, those are for our people in their cars who are trying not to kill themselves but looking at that, the, the weird thing for me is still, wow, now we've got routing in there because we generally would have routing defined somewhere else in an Angular 1 app, right? So now we're saying this component is, this happens to be the base component for the entire app, Tour Heroes. This is where all the routes are being defined for the app component, and it defines like dashboard and heroes and a detail for heroes too. Uh, but theoretically you could have in a larger app a subcomponent, which also defines routes as well. So in a way, I kind of look at the component almost becomes what in Angular 1 was, a module, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's kind of like self-contained and our modules used to define routes. And then a subcomponent also might be like a submodule in a way. And this works because of the way module loading works in ES6 and TypeScript.
1: That's an interesting way to look at it. As I look at the way that the components work like this, I see it more like the problem with Angular 1 was that very, very, very few people did nested directives. Very seldom do we see nested directives, right? We never said, hey, I'm going to do a directive for like the entire view. And then inside that, there'll be a directive for this panel and one for this panel and this for this panel. And then within that, there's a directive for a but- this button and one for, you know, this drop-down list, et cetera. Whereas the whole, at Angular 2, we got nested components, much like React. We have a top-level one that contains everything. And in that, we break it all down and keep breaking it down, breaking it down. And we really didn't do that in Angular 1. I don't know if you had a different experience when you built built uh, stuff at Angular 1. But I, every place that I was at, That was not the way that we built stuff. Directives were only a very bottom-level thing. So this is
0: why I think maybe you've seen in the past, Joe, that I have kind of hinted that I'm not a huge fan of directives in Angular 1. Mm -hmm. And the reason is not because of directives. It's because I think the way they were implemented and how, how painful they could be in Angular 1. But let me tell you, my experience is different, and that's, I do not like nested directives in Angular 1, because I've dealt with apps where literally people would have exactly what you said. They'd have a view, then they have a directive, which had another directive, which had another directive, and it was like that Russian stacking doll. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with Angular 1 with that, I mean, that's generally not a bad idea, honestly. I mean, having things that are decoupled like that, they can work together or on their own, and you can kind of piecemeal and compose your objects. But... In Angular 1, directives were much more difficult to work with than I think components are in Angular 2. So Mm -hmm. I think in Angular 2, that style lends itself much better. In Angular 1, I think it was just a lot harder to achieve. And I've literally
1: banged my head into the wall when I've worked with apps like that because it just hurt. So let me see if I can sum this up. You're saying you hated it in Angular 1, This these nested directives. If anybody did do that, do like three or four levels of nested directives, you hated it or you would have hated it if, you, if it had ever happened. Yes. But in Angular 2, as you're seeing it, you're not seeing the same problem basically because of how the way that Angular 2 is designed. Yes. And not hated it so much as I, I called caution in to
0: it when people did it seven levels. When it was one or two, who cares? Right. But now I think it's easier to take components or directives in Angular 2, which we should define the difference between those, and actually stack those inside of each other and and nest them because of the way they communicate better with each other.
1: Okay. So I don't know if you want to go on to the definition, but I have a question about 1.5 and the new component function and what you think of that. Have you played with it? I haven't played with it, but I've read about it. Okay. Close enough. Thoughts? (laughs) Does it address that issue, your specific issue... (laughs) Like I think that in general, in Angular 1, directives were also very seldomly done, right? Most people just did controllers, and they wrote directives infrequently.
2: I'll tell you, that was the approach that I usually took.
1: Yeah, and I honestly think that was a good approach.
0: Ward and I have talked about this. I'll speak for him here, is that I think directives, while they were an essential piece of Angular, I think writing custom directives in Angular 1, you could actually write an entire app without a custom directive, and you'd be fine. Yeah. And I don't think that was an awful thing, but I think that leads to some practices that are going to make things difficult for people in Angular 2 since we are
1: componentizing. Right. Yeah, it is funny. I I sometimes feel a little nervous when I see a lot of people out there talking about learn to migrate, migrate your, your Angular 1 apps to Angular 2, do these things and help migrate because I, I kind of feel like you don't want to do that. You don't want to migrate in that same way. You don't want to say, oh, i got a directive, I'm going to turn it into a component. If you get to that thought, now I'm not saying that everybody's making those same statements like, oh, you got a directive, let's just turn it into a component, it be very easy. But that is one thing that is in 1.5 with this component, new component function is it makes the directives in 1.5 look a lot like components in Angular 2. Yeah, it does. And so if people are just taking their existing apps and turning their controllers into a component and then their ex- any existing directives into a component, I think you're going to be missing out on a lot of stuff. And maybe that's the only way you can get a rewrite to happen and you want to rewrite, you want to be in Angular 2, then that's probably okay if that's the only way. But it, if you don't take the time to go through and just rethink some of the things that you're doing, I think you'll be missing out on a lot of the benefit.
0: Yeah, I look at it as a – it's a nice little way to slide in, but I, I agree with you. I think it, you need to really think more about it because – And maybe this leads into what I was alluding to: components and directives in Angular 2. Uh, A component in Angular 2, to me, a lot of times when writing components in Angular 2, it's taking the place of something I would normally have done a controller for with a template in Angular 1. Not always, but often. Mm -hmm. And then a directive in Angular 2 is really just another flavor of a component, right? So a directive in Angular 2, there's two flavors, the way I think about it, and I'm probably not using the official words here. I'll lean back on the docs for it later. But there's structural layout directives, which uh, you can identify those because of the ones that always come with the asterisk before them, like ng if or uh, ng4, for example. Mm-hmm. And those are ones that are built in generally. You can actually make your own, but they're built in generally, and they actually modify the structure of the DOM. Right.
1: Um, and when you say modify the structure, you got to be clear about that. It's not like, hey, we're setting display none or something like that. Right, right, like, right. This yeah. is mm-hmm. a significant modification. We're adding nodes. We're removing nodes the way that ng4 and ngif work. We're pulling exactly. pieces out of the DOM. We're sticking a bunch of pieces into the DOM. We're not just maybe modifying an attribute value. Right,
0: and those are structural or layout directives, whatever the official word's going to be there. And then there's a second type of directive, which is just the regular directives. And I like to think of those as being more like attribute directives in an right. Angular 1 where you need to create something that's going to enhance something else that's already there mm-hmm. um, to kind of modify its behavior. Like a uh, example I always like to use is like a validation directive. Maybe you've got your own custom validation and you want it to show some stuff on the screen, but it's always going to modify like an input or a button or something. Uh, so those two types of directives, structural directives, which, give you, which you're probably not going to write a lot of, and then there's ones that you will write that are like attribute-based, and then the third type of thing you're going to write are components in Angular 2. And to me, in my head, that's how I've them out. Components are for, like, my screens or subsets of screens, like subviews. Anything visual I'm adding, that's mostly, like, an HTML element, almost like an element directive in Angular 1. And then I've got regular directives, which are more like attribute directives were, which enhance something else um, for mm-hmm. Angular 2. And then I've got
1: the structural directives, which,
0: quite frankly, I'm very rarely ever going to write my own ng for.
1: Right. Okay, so I could totally go on a rant about this because not necessarily of anything that any specific person did or team did that was a bad thing, but because of the way that the names ended up working out, which is partially not the fault of the Angular team. Do tell. So for those who don't know the history, and you, you, John, you probably know a lot of this history, is way back in the day, in Angular 1, in fact... There were those three types of directives, but they didn't have a different name. They were just how you created a directive determined it was one of those three types. And the Angular team knew about this. They talked about this internally, right? So the ng repeat and the ng if directives, those were the structural type of directives. And, uh, I think they, at the time, they'd like to call them template directives. Then there was the attribute directives that you're talking about, and they called them Decorator directives, okay? And then finally, we have the main one, which is kind of think of like it could be a controller with a template, but you've turned it into a directive. It's some directive that has a view. Maybe a better example of that would be like a button uh, or like a date picker, something like that. That is a component directive. It's some directive that has a view, and you almost always represent that with an element. You would almost never use an attribute unless maybe you are dealing with like IE8, right? So those are the three types of directives and they had their names components, decorators, and I believe they called them templates, which I thought was a silly name. I always called them structural. And I I, agree. I talked about this in my plural site course about the three different types of directives, which I built quite a while ago. Then then Angular two was still being developed even, you know, two years ago they were still working on prototypes for Angular Two, so they knew they're gonna have these kind of things. So they kind of moved forward with this, and then decorators became an ES seven thing. So they had what they called annotations and the ES7 committee adopted it, but called it a decorator. So now they lost the, they had the choice. Do we want to overload the use of the word decorator and make it? It's an ES7 thing and it's also what we call a certain type of directive. And again, if you have seen Angular 2, you use these annotations, which are also ES7 decorators. In order to create these components or directives, right? You use the at component, and that is a decorator, an ES7 decorator. And it's and again, annotation still applies, right? Because it's a specific kind of decorator. But anyway, so you could have an at you can have a decorator whose name was at decorator, which would be yep. really silly. And everybody yes. and it would just give more fuel for Shai Resnick to do another NG WAT talk. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to go there. So they dropped that, and then they used the word just they, – then they didn't have a word, right? Yep. They couldn't think of anything. So initially what they had planned with Angular 2 was directives was going to be the parent class, and component, decorator, and structural or template or something like that was going to be the three different child classes. Okay. And there was actually an inheritance hierarchy going on because they were reusing similar code. Well, decorator – they lost the word decorator. So now they have the directive is the parent, but they have a component child. They have who knows what child and then template. And as I've talked about this in several talks, in fact, I'll link one of the talks that I gave. In fact, this is a talk that I gave for uh, remote conf, Chuck's remote conf a while ago. Mm-hmm. I kind of talked about this a little, little bit, but we never build our own structural directives or these template, these structural types of things. We didn't do it in Angular 1. We really aren't going to be doing it much in Angular 2. So they didn't really necessarily need a name for it, the star ng dash if, right? We don't need a, because people, developers are going to be writing so few of these, having a name for that kind of directive and talking about it a lot is really unimportant because it's not a big priority. So they didn't need a name for that. When they didn't have a name for the second kind, they still could use component. So we have components, but now they're just calling that second type, which was directives or or decorators, and they're now just calling it directives. Well. That's fine if we think of, okay, we've got components. I'm either going to create a component when it's like a a view and it's an element, right, a custom element, or I'm going to create a directive when it's just an attribute that I'm throwing on a tag to give it more functionality. But internally, directive is still the parent class of component. A component is just a specialized kind of directive. So it's kind of a funny situation where the names are a little jumbled. And I kind of feel bad ever pointing out the fact that directive is the parent class, and really, people should just think of there's components and their directives and they are two little things. They're, they're similar to each other, right? But one is like a custom element with a view and the other one is a custom attribute with some functionality but not really a view. And that's the way that you should think about it. And then templates... Don't worry about that. That's in the framework. You don't. It's not, nothing you need to worry about. Don't worry your pretty little head about yeah, it. Yeah, the structural
0: layout template ones. Yeah, the ones with the stars you can pretty much just put aside for the most yeah. part. you're not yeah. going to
1: write those. You're going to use them, but you're not going to write them. Right. And so understanding uh, what their name is for the type of thing is really unimportant. Just we have these star things and we use them in the temp in our templates and that's good enough.
0: Well, if we so. get down to like how you ask yourself a question to pick these, and, and I and I kind of agree with you here. It's the name's a name's a name. Who cares? But when you're thinking about what you want, if you want something that is going to be an element versus an attribute, I think that helps you decide right there. It's going to be an element, I'd lean you towards component. It's going to be an attribute, I'd lean you towards a directive. Talking Angular too. Right. Uh, another question would be, do you want it to have some kind of visual interface? Is there HTML associated with this? Uh, is there a template? If there is, and you're going to add a template, like you're making your own date widget, for example, that I'd lean you towards a component. And I just put a link here into the show notes of the directory factory, sorry, the directive factory interface mm-hmm. uh, up in the Angular API. If you look through there, you'll notice there is no template property. There's no template that you can specify for a, a straight up directive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on a component, you can. Right. So this is, it, it's just a way to think about it. If you don't want to worry about, you know, what's what, I think a component, you can kind of think of that like, okay, I'm putting something on the screen and it's visual and it's an element. Uh, a directive in Angular 2 is more of just something that helping describe something else.
1: Absolutely. And that's the way you really should be thinking about all this sort of stuff. Like I went on this rant and talked about all this history just for the kicks and giggles for the viewers to have something <laughs> but it's unimportant. <laughs> really, when you're learning Angular 2, you should really put all that aside. It's it's more minutiae that's uh, entertaining to listen to, but not germane to learning Angular 2. You really should and and I saw we saw this in Angular 1. It was very natural. If you wanted a directive that had a visual component. You created an element. You gave it a template. If you want a directive that you just stuck on as an attribute to an existing element, then you created an attribute without a template. And it was very natural. And I think they were gonna, people are going to find it's extremely natural in Angular 2. I create a directive sometimes. I create a component sometimes. They're two entirely different things. And I don't get sub- confused in my head as to what's what and how they work. It's going to be very straightforward. And I, that's certainly what I found. So Charles? Mm-hmm.
0: Just because we've been ranting. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're a little newer, uh, self-admittedly, to some of the components and all that kind of stuff. Does that clarify for you, I mean, the way we're classifying a component versus a directive in Angular 2?
2: Yeah, I believe so. I mean, for the most part, you know, I, I get the history at least at a high level. And I, some of the other things that you've talked about for the most part, the most useful bits for me are the parts where you're talking about where you have, for example, if you want it to be an element, use a component versus using a directive. If you're going to make major modifications and things like that, and you know, just where the different functionality needs to live and how it all kind of hangs together, it's very helpful to sort of visualize where I'm going to put what code and how it's all going to work. One thing I am curious about, though, is that I've only seen Angular 2 code. I haven't actually written any Angular 2 code. And it seems like a lot of it winds up in one component file. Uh, does the directive live in there, too? Or does that go in its own separate file? And, well, we're getting and... into
0: styling, right, at yeah. that point. And to me, that those are separate. Okay. Because if I define a directive, that directive may be used in a component, but it may be used in other components, too. Right. So I define my directives as their own thing, and then you just – you can reference those directives from other components. So, yeah, I would separate your directives from your components uh, the same way we did in
1: Angular 1. So let me see if I under- – I'm not sure that I totally understand your question, Chuck. In a component, when you're defining the component and you're defining the template, you often have the component's class code alongside the template for right. the component. Yeah. Are you asking the same thing of directives or are yes. you asking would you put a directive and a component both in the same – if if I had a project that needed a directive and a component, would I put them both in the same file?
2: That That's kind of what I was driving at was both wait, wait. really. So both So closes, a lot of times I see. I see the inline template and a lot of people at like Angular Remote Conf were – they were really excited that they had these inline templates. And it makes a lot of sense if it's a simple template. I mean why create an extra space if I can visually grok what the template is in one go – but yeah i was wondering if you have a component and a directive that the component is actually using the directive in some way would you put them both in the same file and it john says no, no yeah. because directives can be used across multiple components and what that means is that then i can have that sort of shared functionality in its own place and i can it, it kind of denotes that it's a separate piece that may connect to the other pieces in my application.
1: Yeah, there's probably a couple of reasons there why you should separate them out. First off, think back to Angular 1. If I have a controller with a template and there's a Mm -hmm. directive that I happen to use in that controller and the template, I certainly could throw the directive inside the same file, right? Mm -hmm. But it becomes somewhat unnatural, right? We tend to think we quickly got to a place where every object had its own file. Right. Even though the stupid Angular seed... Which I will never, in my life, once say there was anything great about it. <laughs> you <mean> the, <laughs> I hated, uh, uh, the Yeoman Generator. No, I'm thinking. I'm talking Angular Seed. Oh, 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 the, yeah. The earlier versions, uh, later yes. versions, I think may have changed this, but certainly the earlier versions, they had like a, a file called Directives and you put all your directives in, and it was kind yep. of a bad pattern. Anyway, we quickly got to a place where every object had its own file. And so that's one reason, obviously, to just stick, if you have a component that has needs a directive, stick the directive in its own file, just because it's a far more natural for each thing, each piece of your application to have its own file. Now, there's another reason for that as well. Using modules, which is how Angular works, Angular 2 works, it uses the ES6 module system. In order to consume or utilize something, you have to not only... See in Angular 1 when you built a component or a controller or a directive you registered it internally in Angular by calling the dot, the angular the module.controller function or the module.directive function and actually registered it internally in an Angular 1 internal registry which seemed like a really nice thing but it was actually a really bad thing for a lot of different reasons we too many to go into mm-hmm. in Angular 2 there's no internal registry Like that, There's no single Angular 2 registry that says, I know about all of the components in your application. Instead, you say, hey, this component needs this directive. So at the top, you bring it in by requiring it using the module system. And then now it's available. It's just there in the file. It's basically now local to be used. But that directive has to be exposed by the other file, right? right? So in the other case, if you ever wanted to reuse it, you'd have to expose both of them. Mm -hmm. And that would be kind of weird... Because we're more used to, this is only kind of true, right? Because with Angular 2, the libraries themselves, they, one single file might expose a lot of th- of things. But that's because right. they combine it all together. But for our code, we should think of each file contains one thing. So you wouldn't want to, oh, if I want to reuse that directive, I have to bring in the file for the component but I'm only grabbing the directive out of it and it just look really weird, you know? Yeah. If, if the directive was named like a date picker, but I'm bringing in the user panel uh, file to get the date picker, that'd be really odd.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So there's a couple of good reasons why you should keep your keep your, each piece, you know, directives and components in their own file. I think what is another interesting question is the whole inline templates versus separate templates. Oh, yeah. I think that's very interesting because now that we have ES6... And Angular two is definitely encouraging people to take advantage of it because the module system and multi-line template strings, which now lets us, hey, I can put a template inside the same file, but it's I'm no longer limited to have to do a whole bunch of string appending or putting it all on one line, which obviously is gets unmanageable after a template that is longer than you know forty characters. We have multi-line strings now, so that we can have this nice HTML string, and there's plenty of editors that are letting us treat that. This one string inside of a JavaScript file as HTML and get all of like our Zen coding and syntax coloring for HTML. So we what, can put what, it. What, in what the
0: editors site. are those, Joe? What, what editors will well, have you do
1: that? Well, WebStorm will, and yeah. I think Sublime Text will, and Visual Studio Code will. Code does not yet, yeah, but it will. Yes. Okay, that's I, one of the wish list items I have on my list.
0: Like I, I, if you're talking specifically about having an HTML file, not HTML file, HTML embedded inside of template strings inside of uh, a TypeScript file, mm. yeah, it, it doesn't give you that yet, but it's it's my dying wish right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I believe it's that good. there are plugins for Vim and Emacs that will allow you to have, in Emacs at least, multi major modes, and then you can have a, an HTML major mode for that string and the TypeScript major mode for the rest of the file.
0: And that's not a, let's be clear, this isn't an Angular 2 thing even. I mean, React is doing this kind of stuff too. So I think editors, if they don't do it already, I think you're going to see all the major editors do this soon.
2: Well, you see a lot of these editors do the same thing for JavaScript inside of HTML. It's it's effectively the same thing. You're just turning on different uh, syntax highlighting and other uh, nice code, autocomplete, etc., etc. features for the majority of the file, and then the rest of the file that needs a different syntax and other nice tools on it. And let me be clear about my
0: stance today. If we don't have that in the in the editor, if we didn't have the full HTML editing experience and autocomplete and IntelliSense and syntax coloring and all that inside of a TypeScript file or a JavaScript file, I would not be doing inline HTML at all in my files. And today, I, VS Code doesn't have it, and I'm using that yet. So I'm not doing that because it mm. bothers me. To have my HTML in there, and I can't tell if there's a syntax there. I, I can't visually separate where the binding is versus the property versus the element. But once that comes in, let, let's assume it's all there, right? In all the editors, because uh, I know WebStorm does that too. But if we have that, where do you draw the line, Joe? And, and how do you feel, uh, Charles, about if I have a template and I want to do it inline inside my TypeScript and I have styles and do the inline inside my uh, TypeScript or JavaScript? How many, where do you draw the line and keep it in that file or move to an HTML file? Do you do a number of lines of code? Do you do always put it in line? What do you guys think?
2: Oh, I have such a woo woo answer on this. A uh, woo woo. So I, I, I know people really like having those v- rules, right? It's, well, you know, if you have 20 lines of code, then you need to move it out. But my thing is, is that if I can't look at it and immediately understand it, it's got to go in its own file. It's got to go somewhere and got to be broken up so that I can understand it. So for the inline templates, I mean, it has got to be something that's going to fit in however many lines of code I've got in my text editor. And then from there, it's got to basically work out so that if there's a lot of like, if this, then that, or stuff like that, where I'm looking at it and I'm really trying to figure it out, The rest of the component's going to feel like noise to me, and so I'm going to pull it out. Um, I'm also going to be looking at if there's any way I can do like partial templates or things like that that are going to make it so that all the little pieces aren't quite so gross to deal with.
0: Well, you indirectly hit the nail on the head, I think, Charles, that people use this argument a lot, and that's if your component, I've heard this a lot, if your component has so much HTML that it's pushing everything else off the screen, whatever size screen you use, then you probably need to think about breaking that component up into other components. I get that point. I'm not sure I 100% agree yet. I haven't written enough Angular 2
2: apps yet to really know how I feel about that, but I, I don't know if I, if that's what I'm saying. I don't mind if I have to scroll in order to see the entire component, but, um, the template, because the template is something different from the component, the component is mostly behavior and the template itself is mostly just HTML. It's markup. It's static. It's not, te- it's not doing anything interesting. And so I want to be able to just see it as part of my component and just look at it and know what it is and know what it does. And That's if I-
0: more of a for me. It's distraction. Can I right. open this file and understand what's there? Whatever the yeah. file may be. If the HTML is getting in the way of me understanding what the component does, then I want it in its own file yeah. and vice versa.
1: So I think this is a very interesting thing. And there's a couple of reasons, right? A React came out a while ago, and one of the things that React did that was almost shaking the foundations was to say, we're going to put our HTML right in there with our JavaScript, right? So at uh, first, people were like, what? And then, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And React actually says this. They say, we should separate concerns, but we got it wrong when we said that the HTML was an entirely separate concern from the code that drives the HTML. So they should be together. And I don't disagree with that point. What I like about Angular 2 is it gives you the option to choose whichever works for you. And so as much as I would yeah. say lines of I could come up with some guidelines for lines of code or pushing off the screen or whatever, I also think that there's a great opportunity there to say, this works better for us. Maybe we do have a designer that wants to be able to go into our HTML and mess around with stuff, in which case, let's put it in a separate file. Yeah. Maybe we don't. Uh, maybe we get our HTML from some odd place. So we do want it to be separate. Maybe we don't. We have those options. Uh, I think that's a very cool thing with Angular 2 that you have the choice. Now, personally, what I hope that we'll see is that as people go in and start building a component, if they keep their HTML in with the component itself, and then they have this idea like either, oh, there's so much HTML, it's pushing it off the screen, or there's too many lines of code. I, you know, like I don't like it if there's more than X number of lines of code. What will happen is instead of people, oh, I'm going to take the template out and throw it in its own file. Instead, people start writing smaller components. I think that would be awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of smaller components. And frankly, I don't think it matters if you put your template in line or outline, I guess, another file. Consistency is a big thing, right? But Have a plan. It's the same way like I do with my Angular 1 style guide. Whatever you do, I think you should just have a plan. How do you decide? Maybe for one team, it is lines of code, and that's important to them, and that's how you decide. Maybe for another team, it's not lines of code, like Charles is saying. Maybe it's something different. Uh, whatever that is, you should know how to find your code. You should know how to edit it. And when you open your file, it shouldn't be a big pile of mess that you have to sort through to figure out, where's that, and what is this thing doing again? So as long yeah. as you can open your file up and you can understand what's in there, I don't really think it matters, you know?
2: Yeah. My thing is, though, is that um, I don't want people to kind of go, well, I'm going to follow the John Papa rule for this without understanding that this may work differently for them. So definitely, you know, try a couple of different styles and see what really makes a difference. I don't think we're going to have a really good grasp on what the best way to do this is until we've actually been building with Angular 2 for a while. And to be clear, until we have all editors
0: doing, I mean, we're assuming editors will all do this. Yes. In that case, I think this is relevant. If not all editors do this, then right now, for frankly, I'm just taking the HTML and sticking it in its own file so I can actually get all my editor features.
2: Yeah. But the thing is, is I'd be really frustrated if I had this component that I knew was critical to my app. And ultimately, I went to look at the template file and it was span, enter some dynamic text, close span.
1: Right. There also is varying levels of support for the editors. For example, I use a lot of Sublime, and it does syntax highlight, I believe, but it doesn't handle, like, I can't, at least I can't find a plugin for Zen coding, so I can't type in an open bracket like, just a, a word and hit tab and have it turn it into an element and create the close element for which I, I love that and doing that in uh, WebStorm. But it always seems like WebStorm is ahead of everybody's curve.
2: There's a plugin yeah. for that for Emacs, if you want to come to the light side.
1: <laughs> but will it do it? Is there a plugin for that for Emacs inside of an inline HTML or is, uh, ES6 string? Emacs ES6 Lisp,
2: string. baby. Emacs Lisp. You can make it do it yourself. Oh, my. No. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I do not want to program my editor. I want to download somebody's. <laughs> not I that I, I wouldn't find it fun, but I've got something else I've already found fun, and I want to build that, and not go off on another fun project.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, I think for people getting started, right, building these components and choosing their editors, and this stuff's all going to settle down. But the component stuff, something you pointed out, Joe, I think is important is if you're embedding your HTML like in React, a lot of the way that React works is you create a function in JavaScript that then returns this HTML or can modify the HTML or does something with it. The way Angular 2 does it, in my way, the way I look at it is it's a lot easier in Angular 2 to take this HTML JavaScript convergence. And even though it may be in the same file, the HTML is actually still logically separated from the JavaScript. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, yeah, it's not which like is interesting. It's
1: very that. different from React. React gets yes. mixed right into your logic.
0: Exactly. They're still both in the same file, but it's the way they're in that file. In Angular, to me, they're still separate. It just happens to be in two different places in the same file. Yep. So it is an interesting bridge. Yep. In it flavor, you might say. I think people are going to build a lot of components. I really do. I think the way controllers worked and the way a lot of directives worked, I think things that were controllers and were elements directives are all going to converge from Angular 1 into these components in Angular 2. So I think we're going to see that be the hot thing. You know, how do you build these things?
2: So let me toss this one out there. I mean, everything I see in Angular 2 is components. Does it still have controllers? Nope. Uh-uh. Just components. It's component,
1: It's turtles all the way down. It's components all the way down.
0: Okay. Although you could create a component called controller. Yes, Although the
2: Joe
1: I, controller.
0: I think somebody like Igor on the Angular team might come into your house and beat you up if you do that.
2: Though. Yeah. Angular, <laughs> Ooh, if Angular I get Igor to come to my error. house, I'm definitely doing it. Angular
1: 2 probably throws an error if you try to create a component named controller. <laughs> that would be hilarious.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or just yeah, make something into Angular so that it does. Yeah, and it's interesting because so components are neat because I ran into
0: this situation early on with my Angular 2 exploration. and that's I created a component. And I immediately wanted that component to be something that had inputs and outputs that you're calling that now. They were properties and events before. Basically, I wanted to have a component like uh, hero details on the tour heroes. And that component is uh, – it shows details about our hero named Joe Eames. But to show details about a hero, you need to know who the hero is, right? So something has to tell it, give me the hero ID, So I immediately said, okay, let's create an input of the ID, which is kind of like, think of it like an isolated scope. You might have created a scope, some property, and a directive in Angular 1 to say, somebody tell me the ID and I'll figure out the rest to show the hero. Well, what if I also want to use that thing in a route such that I want to be able to route to like a sub route with like a heroes slash 14. And that 14 means you don't go to the heroes list, but go to the details thing and show me hero ID 14. Well, now I'm not binding that 14 like I did before with an input or output. I'm doing it through a route parameter. What's neat is you can actually define a component, and the Tour of Heroes does this in a yet unpublished part, which will be coming out very soon, where it shows you how you create a component that accepts either inputs and outputs, or it can be used from a router, which kind of makes it neat because that component can um, actually work in either place. Um. But I think it's cool because the, what I was getting at is that I think in Angular 2 that things are more flexible. than they were before. There's less concepts, yes, but it doesn't mean you're locked into something. Uh, Components actually can be used in multiple ways, which is wicked cool.
2: Well, that's that's the thing that I'm seeing with it is that it kind of has the best of both worlds in the sense that if you look at a component or look at a whole bunch of different components, they all kind of structure up the same way. You kind of approach them generally in the same way. But there's so much room to move in there that you kind of get your critical parts all pointed in there and hooked up. And then you can do pretty much anything you want from there. So you have all kinds of flexibility inside of the framework. And you just do it in a way that the component kind of knows it's there and knows that it works.
1: So I think we're probably reaching the end of our show. I know we have some hard stops. But what I think has been very interesting about this is when we started and decided this is a topic we're going to talk about, I didn't feel like there was going to be much material. But man, we've we've talked about a lot of stuff. A yeah, there's of, a lot of no's.
0: I mean, yeah. you're getting into components. So are you a component? Are you a directive? Are you a structural directive? Where the heck did these things come from? And how do they relate to what we did in
1: Angular One? There's a lot. My there. code. My code has an identity crisis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just don't call a controller. Well, <laughs> the other thing is, is that I feel like. Angular 2 gives us some lines to color in, but it's nice to get a little bit of shading and shape to the direction you want to go with it. So Yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Joe, do you have some picks for us? Um, Yeah.
1: So I put in a link in the show notes to the talk that I gave at your your Angular conference. Remote Conf. Angular Remote Conf. Yes. So I want to pick that talk just because it's very germane to the subject because it's kind of about Angular 1 directives and Angular 2 directives uh, a little bit. I've talked about this subject a lot, about Angular 1 and Angular 2 directives uh, and the relationships between them. But I think most of that talk was actually just about the basics of Angular 1 directives. But I just I want to pick that talk. I think that's that's a good pick and very appropriate to the subject. The other thing I want to pick, this is going to be crazy, Seth MacFarland. Do you guys know who Seth MacFarland is? Yes, sir. Okay. Chuck, do you know who Seth MacFarland is? I've
2: heard the name. So Probably.
1: Creator of the Family Guy, and he does a lot of the voices. Like, he votes Brian the dog on Family Guy.
2: Okay.